Stocks popped higher today, being Tuesday, March 21st, 2023, as Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen reassured Wall Street that she would have safeguards put in place to prevent another banking catastrophe. Markets, this is our second day in a row that we're up. Is this the good times that are back, or is this just the calm before the storm? Because we have a critical Fed decision coming out tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, everyone, to Buy, Hold, Sell. I am your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith, out in, well, rainy and hot Scottsdale, Arizona. <laughs> there you go. And we, and we are bringing our longtime friend back, Jordan Kimmel. He is the chief equity strategist and portfolio manager at Value Engine Capital Management and also host of the Magnet Minutes podcast. Jordan, welcome back to Buy, Hold, Sell. We're so happy you're here with us. It's great to be with you and the market's giving us a fire show. So a lot to get into. Great to be back with both of you. No doubt about it. Well, listen, I, want, I do want to start with you right now because I know that you have on your own podcast, you have had a long list of A-list guests that have been rolling through. You just interviewed Jim Rogers on your show. I know he had quite a few comments about the Federal Reserve. But what do you think is going to happen? Because the million-dollar question that everybody wants to know is it is the Fed going to just maybe stall tomorrow or are they going to actually hike by 25 basis points? What do you think? Right. And the question you ask is, what do I think they're going to do? Not what do I think they're going to or yeah, should, should do. do. And we'll get into yeah. both of those. What I think they do tomorrow is they raise by a quarter of a point and they assure everybody that they're seeing a lot of disinflation. A lot of the work is starting to get done. They're not looking to damage, brain damage the economy. They're not looking to put the country out of work, but that the work is not done. You'll hear them say the work is not done, but they're starting to see some effects. What they have done, you realize, is leave rates way too low for too long, and then they oversteered it too high too fast. If I was giving them advice, I'd say don't touch a thing tomorrow. Just reassure everybody you'll be watching. But you ask what I think they'll do. I think they'll raise back quarter and reassure everybody that they'll just keep looking, but that most of the work has been done. They still have some work to do. Toby? Well, I, I'm coming from a, a different place on this than Jordan for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're going to raise 25 basis points. And I believe, again, talking to a lot of people uh, very near to those folks, is that the reason why they're going to do it is that if they didn't do it, then the message they would be sending to the market is completely negates what they've been saying. Hey, we got the world on our shoulders. We got the secretary of treasury. We got everybody. We put the money in. We've raised these uh, deposit limits for uh, FDIC We've done everything, so there's no reason to panic. If they if they stop raising, or you know, God help us if they cut, that would be the diametric uh, observation. It would say we're freaked out, and we're freaking going to cut these rates because we're the, you know the, the cat's out of the bag, whatever you know metaphor you want to use. They don't want to do that. You know, the last thing they want to do is to frighten an already frightened marketplace, and that is a bad message to say that that while we still have inflation that's 300% higher than what our goal is, we're now going to stop. You, you can't have best both words. I've said this many times that they're stuck in a box. They're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. But mm -hmm. they're stuck in their own box. They can't say, hey, George, you know what we're going to do? We're going to raise our inflation uh, target to 3%. Bond market you know, just shifts the bed, right? It just all goes to hell. Um, if they do that, then interest rates go up, and then that becomes inflationary tightening. So they're on, the, the, you know, they got to stick it up, courage it out here. 
they're it's doing what's happening. They never could say that we're going to break something because you know that would frighten people. I think we're all mature adults. We've been through this. They have to break stuff. They don't break stuff, then we you know we have this entrenched you know right. economy, and the rates just keep going up and up and up. We still right. have 11 million job openings for five million people, and uh, th- th- there's nothing disinflationary there. I'll tell you that. Well, that you know, two weeks ago we were actually talking about a 50 basis point increase. Yeah, then true. all of a sudden it it just quickly pivoted from there. And you are right, though. I do believe that the Fed does stall on this one. They say, look, no change whatsoever. The next meeting's not for six weeks. I mean, two weeks ago, we're talking 50 basis points. What's going to happen six weeks from now? I think that's where the real that's where the real danger comes in. Jordan, so what are you telling investors these days? I mean, because I'm sure your investors have a ton of questions wondering what's next. Even after tomorrow's decision, there's still a lot of work to do on the inflation side. Right. Well, you know, last time I was on the show, it was all the way back, I guess, in the summertime. And what we kind of was saying, what I was saying is that, you know, we have not exited the bear market yet. And, and you know, we've seen some improvement in, in some of the gauges. But the fact is, uh, we're in a really, really difficult stock market to begin with. A lot of the pain has happened in the super, super high valuation, unprofitable companies that had, didn't belong there to begin with. But what we're seeing is like a rolling bear market where they're attacking every sector one at a time. If I would have told you guys in the summertime that they would cut oil, price oil by 50%, you wouldn't right. have believed it. Oil looked like it was kind of unstoppable. So, so what it is, I stick to my knitting. Believe it or not, when I run the magnet model, I can find dozens of companies right now which have the accelerating margins, accelerating cash flow, institutions accumulating them, but it's not a lot. There's not, it's not the whole market. The market is not healthy. So what I'm basically saying is that um, it's okay to hold some powder here right now. We don't have to be fully invested. Um, I did really cut back my shorts significantly in the in the areas where I short, but it's it has finally turned into a stock picker's market. I think for the next couple of years, index guys might be frustrated, but I've actually I'll consider myself lucky in the last few months. Maybe luck is preparedness, but um, it's a difficult market. And and the other thing I just want to add quickly, I call this like it's an Alice in Wonderland market, where you know <laughs> one day it's the pill that makes you tall, the next pill that makes you small. There's some been unrealistic runs of unprofitable companies. If I would have told you they'd knock. 70% off Nvidia in a couple months and it would double in in a month or so. Yeah, it's 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 weird behavior. The same thing with Tesla. The behavior is a lot of I think program trading and the programs are trading with each other. It's not quite rational at the moment. And therefore, defense is a really smart approach. Well, there's no question, Jordan, that, you know, uh, at my uh, new publishing company, uh, True Market Insiders, we follow dark pools, we follow the algo train, et cetera. And and first off, um, you know, the, the January effect worked. Right, you know, you had every it was everybody was sold out. They took their tax loss into December, so the the crappiest companies were the most sold. So if you were trading it for a week or two, yeah, you went long. And oh, by the way, everybody was so short. There was record short interest going into that first week. So yeah, you got that going. The Traders Almanac guys, all those guys were right. But that was just mechanics. And if everything I have followed has been about mechanics. Now the sectors within the sectors, you know, again, my my beloved uh, product tankers and my, you know, oil tankers and, you know, guys that, 
These things are up 60% over the last three months. They're idiosyncratic. The Russians stopped delivering oil. You, you have to ship twice as far. Rates went up 400%. I mean, that's what I would call the microeconomics or the micro sectors. So, you know, at Transformative Wealth Management, we, we do focus on the micro sectors. And we're still up like 32%, you know, for the year. Uh, just some, And also getting big dividends. You know, China reopening was like going to be a big thing for oil. Everybody's, oh, yeah, my God, they're the biggest importer, et cetera. But it's going slow. It's only really into the last couple of days have we seen sort of a tradable bottom in oil. Um, and normally you would have said that, the, that you know, like golden, hey, oil is going to be $95. They keep moving it back. You know, it's going to be 95. Yeah. 95, Tobin. It was 120. They said it was going to be 200, you know, in a, in a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, but that, they're so, in that really tall building downtown. And I'm done. Yeah, pulling, pulling the numbers. Yeah, pulling the numbers weird. out of the sky. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but, there's zero... Zero uh, academics, if you really think about it, when they start coming up with these figures, they just do it based off of the trend and say, oh, yeah, this sounds like a good round number. Let's throw it out there and see what happens. Yeah, well, Tobin, your point is so well taken that when you dig below the initial large sector and you go to the yeah. subsector and the micro sector, there's a lot of uh, activity. And even those liners, you know, the shippers got hit hard for a, a month or two. And if you were really just trading on moving averages, you may have been tossed out. If you didn't know what you were doing and you were just literally following moving averages, uh, you would have got tossed out of a lot of those ideas. And then they all roared back. And, and to your point, they hit new highs. And if you have a bushel of them, uh, you're making bushels. Ooh, mark that down, uh, Todd. Yeah, that's uh, a hot that's take. That's the smartest thing Jordan has ever said on this show. Yeah, no doubt about <laughs> it. Yeah, definitely, definitely for show business. That's our hot take of the well, day. I'll give, so I'll give Jordan a bit, you know, at, at TMI, uh, our sector analysis was very strong on, on semiconductors going into the year. And as the macro guy, I was more afraid of just too many semiconductors. In other words, the EV sales were slowed down, so on and so forth. Uh, semiconductors have been quite strong, and we're adding a couple individual names here that I didn't think I was going to you know, be able to do. The other, other thing I'd say, Todd, is that that you know this head-whipping, uh, you know, head-spinning makes people, uh, particularly traders, it just gives them a quick trigger. Uh, everything they're doing. Now, on the other side, all of our solar energy stocks, another micro segment, hit 52-week highs today. Solar Edge, Emphase, Canadian Solar, all of those ones that we've owned because essentially driven by the Inflation Reduction Act, the favorite euphemism of all time. You know, it's $725 billion, <laughs> plus uh, European is about $1.2 trillion. You add that all up together, that's about $2 trillion of mandated spending. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so... Again, if I, I told you like like three months ago, yeah, we're buying Enphase Solar Energy and a Solar Edge and Array, and you know you'd say, well, why on earth are you doing that? And I said, well, if you forget about being afraid or everything, and you just put your logic cap on, there are some of these guys are sold out for six nine months ahead. You know, even I can do that math in terms of earnings per share and, and growth. So we've always tried to say buy holds up. There's a bull market. Some oh, we don't say that. Um, <laughs> but you know there there are micro sectors that are working and so you know but you have to work at it or you have to subscribe to something like what jordan sells or i sell which actually tells you what's going on uh, if you if you do this part-time i'm telling you i have this thing here i had to say something off my face today of course the doctor's like 35 there's a freaking waiting list you know out there yazoo i walk in and the first thing tell me oh man i love you on fox news listen can you tell me about this stock this he pulls up this like stocks so dude i'm here like I'm a Scotch Irishman, man. You, I got 
you know, I got skin <laughs> cancer all over the place and you're like asking me about stocks. Well, you know, there's still that element. He's not quite a Yomo, Folo, Momo, whatever, but you know, they want to buy something and they just need a little guidance as to where to look. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you there. Well, I do find it interesting the with the narrative going into the month was all about the job, uh, the hot labor market. Then obviously it's it, there was a pivot. The pivot was actually took place in the narrative for the Fed. I know uh, we're Jay Powell is going to be talking about obviously the issues with the banking sector, but he's obviously going to talk about how um, the um, the hot labor market and then the PCE data comes out on Friday after the Fed meeting, and that is the favorite of the Fed. When yeah. they start looking at the inflation gauge, yeah, core, so, um, core personal consumption index expenditures um, yeah. is the best one because it's it's not looking so far back behind. It actually is you know a little more real time. They're all lagging indicators, Todd, and that's the thing Jordan always cracks me up. Everybody's all jiggy about stuff that happened six months ago or three months ago, right. and now I'm gonna I'm making a decision going forward based on. What happened in the past? How do you forecast that way? I, I think that's a, that's just lazy, lazy, well, lazy. Let me make a point here. It's kind of interesting is that. We'll you tell know, you whether um, it's interesting, Jordan, okay? Um, <laughs> so if you've been around as long as I have, and I had Magnet Fund open in 1998, long-term capital, long-term capital was long unraveling. People really didn't know what was going on. And if you haven't read the book, When Genius Fails, you really yeah. should. Because what happened was they took in an orchestrated way. They took Greenspan in front of the camera. He was saying, my hands are tied, our hands are tied, interest rates and so on. Down in the Fed building, they had all the big bankers and brokerage firms, and they pledged to start attacking the shorts. And no one knew what was going on for a couple of years. So one of the points I want to make that's happening right now is while everyone is focused on the quarter point, half point, or no point tomorrow, what has happened is QE opened up with these banks hemorrhaging. So I think what's happening is the Fed has its foot on both pedals right now. It, 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 well, you're QE saying putting the money into the banks, Jordan, the, is essentially quantitative easing. They're putting money in, yeah. right? And, and at the same time, they're raising rates. And so they have their feet on both pedals. Yeah. But what you what you don't really know is what's going on behind the scenes. And and so on, well, that's why on, it's called behind the scenes, Jordan. We're supposed well, to. I'm not a director. That. I'm not a director. But the, the, the thing is, is that they like a divided house. They like the Republicans yelling at the Democrats. What they don't want is people getting unified, saying we can't afford anything and going over the wall in the White House. So they're going to start throwing money into the system while they're talking about fighting inflation. And, yeah. and so the Fed is known for oversteering. And Toby said it right. They're in a they're in a rock and a hard place. And don't expect the Fed to bail out your bad investments. You actually have to know what you're doing and not just trade yeah. on moving averages. OK. OK. Well, listen. Let's leave it right there because coming up after the break, Jordan, I really want to get some of these, uh, the comments that Jim Rogers gave to you on your show. I know he had some um, some zingers out there uh, about the Federal Reserve, and I know the audience definitely wants to hear what Jim he Rogers, had to say. Jim Rogers. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So keep it here on Buy Hold Sell. We'll be right back after the break. Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. 
A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read. Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operator Naomi Knight. Through a roller coaster journey, Journey of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis, from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss, is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. On any given day in Washington, policy proposals are created, debated, and decimated by tens of thousands of people and organizations working behind the scenes. On 80 Proof Politics, a guest and I will visit a D.C. watering hole and distill the art of advocacy by pulling back the curtain a bit and taking a look at how they play their part in the sausage factory we call our federal government. So if you're at all interested in how the sausage is made, pull up a chair, grab a drink, and join us. After all, what goes better with sausage than a tall, cold one? Stocks were up the second straight day as, as Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen came out and she did reassure everyone on Wall Street that, hey, guess what? That banking issue that we just had, it's a one-stop deal. You don't have to worry about it anymore. This Snap, issue right here, it's gone. Snap, it's gone. gone. Yes. It is gone. It's evaporated. No more problems in the world. Hip, hip, hooray. I tell you, things, good things are here. So welcome back to Buy, Hold, Sell. We do have Jordan Kimmel with us. He is the Chief Equity Strategist and Portfolio Manager for Value Engine Capital oh. Management and also the host for Magnet Minutes podcast. And I want to talk about that podcast because you just had Jim Rogers on your show, a legendary investor. And I know that you really got into a bit of a, um, I would say, a spirited conversation one-on-one talking about the Federal Reserve. So, Jordan, tell the audience, enlighten the audience, because I know they're probably on the edge of their seats right now. They want to know, what did Mr. Rogers have to say? Right. And so I'll remind you and I'll remind them, they can come to Magnet Minutes on YouTube. And this is maybe the third time we've had him on. He is a a good friend and colleague. And again, he's controversial. He's often, uh, you know, overly bearish. But, you know, what he pointed out, and we'll get into the Fed in one second, but what he pointed out is this a structural problem. The structural problem is the United States used to be a creditor nation, and now it's the largest debtor nation in the history of the world. And what we're talking about is trillions upon trillions. They just can't stop. 
spending. So it's not a matter trillion, of, Ari, 33 trillion. Come on, man. It's not that You know, much. and so so you know what it is is that you know the Fed can't engineer yourself out of too much debt. And and you know, just a couple of years ago, by the way. I was hoping and praying that they were going to do what someone floated this idea of a hundred year, yeah, one percent bond. Absolutely. Oh my God, that would have taken care of a lot of things. Because now what you have is the debt coverage wasn't even that high with all the debt two years ago. Now suddenly, when you're paying a four and five percent one year bond, it's a, it's an impossible place for the country to be in. But what what you know what Jimmy was saying and what he likes to say is the Fed are a bunch of morons, and he really doesn't <laughs> pull punches, you know. And what he talked about is the fact that they can't do anything that we'd all like to wipe away the problems like you just mentioned that Yellen said, and all of a sudden the banks are capitalized and it's not too much debt. But when you left zero rates, and this was the mistake, for for some reason, you remember when the country really needed some life support and they said, we're going to zero. Well, the markets took off. You don't leave rates at zero for 10 years. It leads to bad behavior. And so, you know, the thing I want to say is as the, you know, as the silver lining, if you will, what Jimmy liked, what he said was, look, this time it's really different. And we know if you're in the business, those are the four most dangerous words. This time it's different. But he said this time, the reason this time it's different is the world's really going to end. (laughs) <laughs> right and and this time though it does end and then he How laughed he and we laughed we laughed and he laughed we said after it ends let's call each other and remind us to buy hand over fist and, <laughs> and 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 that's the lesson is that when it's really darkest and people are the most most scared in the world and the, the most difficult thing it is to do is to buy something. You know what you should do? You should buy something. Well, that's actually, that's good advice. I, I'm sure it's tongue in cheek. Remember, Jim and George, George Soros, you know, had the sort of the, the world's greatest score being short the British pound and right. gilts and made Sitting in England. Sitting yeah, in England sitting while in England. they were doing it. Yeah. Making, you know, made a billion dollars. Very famous. Jim has little person syndrome, in my opinion. He, uh, first off, he thinks he is God. And then when he said that, that you know the world's going to end. Well, then you can just pray to me. Uh, that would be Jim. Um, he's right about every eighteen years. So maybe uh, pretty soon, you know, we're coming up. But he made so much money, he could be wrong for eighteen years and still be still be a billionaire. That I like. That I'm very impressed with. Um, but there's very you know very few ways to make money, in my opinion, off of what he actually brings to the table because. He mostly is about commodities and gold and silver and so on and so forth. The dollar is going against him uh, for a long while. We just started to get the dollar come down. And I thought what you were going to say, Jordan, is that he would say, hey, what the, the dollar is going to be coming way down because, you know, our $33 trillion is we're now went from 2% of the federal budget for interest coverage now to 5.5%. Um, and that something's got to break there. And that means that they're, they're going to have to cut rates significantly, which is going to bring the dollar way down. We are just starting to add some silver positions, uh, some gold, um, just simply with the uh, with the Credit Suisse uh, ETFs, if they stay in business. I'm waiting for that. But 
we have done very well in, in high dividend silver SLVO, for instance, when the right. dollar was coming down a couple of years ago, you know, it's paying, it's a covered call writing uh, ETF. We're getting about 23% yield from it, from the covered call writing. And then as the dollar comes down, silver goes up in value. So it, you know, it's a win-win. I mean, there's right. some ways to play that, but only Jim would say the world's coming to an end and, right. not, have, and not have a smile on his face. But he had a smile on his face oh, okay. and he was saying it tongue in cheek. And I'm going to defend him a little bit more. Because the fact is, he, he does insane amount of homework. He did make an insane amount of money. He yeah. actually put out his book, Hot Commodities, about the week before commodities bottomed way back then. And so one of the more actionable ideas, talking he asked about actionable ideas. Yeah. And, you know, Tobin talked about, you know, the, the, the shipping companies and using some micro, you know, trends. Well, what he talked about is this whole idea towards electric vehicles uh, uses a tremendous amount of copper and, and you know, other materials. So I think Jim definitely does believe that there's going to be a, a major commodity move again. And um, if you think about it, you know, a lot of companies that rank that high on my model and do, you know, some SQM, some, you know, these are copper plays. They actually got beaten to, you know, hope in the last few months. And, right. and you know, the, the macro... There's a reason for that, Jordan. The reason is, is that EV sales have peaked and, you know, all the early stuff went out. Now, all of them. Lithium's down 40%, uh, graphite's down 35%. All of those EV metals, it, 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 I think, Jordan, people just thought it was such a slam dunk. More EVs, not enough metals, it's going to go up. But someone someone forgot to tell them that China consumes most of the copper for real estate development. They, they, they consume most of the iron ore to make steel for real estate development. And they're, you know, literally two and a half trillion dollars underwater on real estate. Uh, and at the margin, as you know, commodities are priced by the marginal buyer, i.e. the yeah. price insensitive buyer. And uh, right now, the price insensitive buyer is pretty sensitive. So I, I right. personally am not there. Silver. It was, it was price gold. action took me out of them, too. I agree yeah, with you. Right. Price yeah. action took me out of them. And sometimes you can't get the macro story figured out. But price action, you know, magnets all about this combination, about the fundamentals with the technicals. And there's very few that will fit that category. But if one of them is not there, we're not there. Yeah. And, um, well, you know, I know. You, you've been doing it a long time and you survived a long time and, and you only survive a long time if you make more money for people than you lose it. So, well, you, and, but you know what? I'm going to remind myself or remind you, uh, my foot fits right in my mouth. And so <laughs> every time I tell somebody how bright I am or how smart I am, the market has a way of kind it's of teaching all humble. a big lesson. So yeah. you got to stay humble Use your discipline. And like I've said, you know, I have very discipline. And again, I'm a real believer in never letting price go too far against you. So I'll be wrong, but I'm not wrong for long. Uh, I could always come back into a trade. But, you know, so many people will, will say Lucent has all the patents in the world. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Gonna, those royalties are going to make billions and billions. And then Cisco came in and said, wait, we don't need your stuff anymore. Right. And, and, you know, not too many people under 30 ever heard of Woolworths. And so, you know, things come and go. And, and you know, you have to be willing to let go 
on on price um, when it goes against you. Yeah, that's just yeah. Works. I would I would also like to admit right now that when we were ten years old, we used to go steal candy out of the Woolworths store. And I well, you I've put always, them out of business. I've always <laughs> heard about that. the five that's, and dime. So that's, that's right. what happened to Woolworths. Yeah, exactly. Huh? Exactly. We hit that out every store hard and um, took them out. Something was there behind the scenes. It was you. Yeah. Hey, George, so so quit mealy-mouthed. What are you buying now? Yeah. Okay, so, so I'm going to give you just, you know, I don't like to talk too many names, but I'm going to give you one because, you, you know, you brought something up that's really important. You might not have heard of Technoglass, right? Technoglass is a company that makes specialty mm -hmm. uh, for building steel and this unusual, um, you know, platform. So it trades at 11 PE with triple digit revenue growth, higher margins. I never would have heard of it. Magnet found it. TGLS. It, it's one of our holdings. I went on, uh, you know, somebody else's show. It was Fox. We'll mention it. But um, about a month ago guys. or so, and Not uh, <laughs> SCMI, you know, um, was was my pick. And why? Because it was the number one ranked technology company in the country. Uh, and so these are what I'm long. These these are actual not second tier companies, but they're not Main Street and Broadway. So I don't think you can make a lot of money. When everyone in the whole world is in love with an individual company, you ask anyone what they want to buy, you give them an impassioned talk. Their first question is, what do you think of Apple? Yeah, right. right? Well, yeah, and I would, I would push it. back against you, Jordan, in that the thing that we're short the most are office building REITs. I mean, we've been short those for a, a long while. Okay, and, well, this isn't a REIT. This is a this no, is I understand a, it, but they but they sell into the office building space, and there's there's zero other than Austin, Texas, and Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> there's not a lot of office building uh, going on at the you know at the margin, and a lot of at least in, in we have 25 uh, projects. My wife's from Canada, so I say project. Um, mm -hmm. we, we have 25 projects. In in, in Greater Phoenix that have been stopped, and and they're not even at the you know putting up the uh, you know the steel and all that stuff. So I would be if I'd be a little fearful on that. I check to make sure what their percentage of of glasses are selling into the uh, industrial space. And the same thing like um you know the uh, you know we're I, I guess we're long just about get ready to get long uh, ASML again. This is the company that makes the the only machine that makes only three millimeter. Uh, chips that that we now have seventy five billion dollars of new plants being built and uh, China is no longer able to buy ASML. That's part of the uh, deal. So guess what? They're, they're going everywhere. We have three plants here in Arizona. We have five plants in the United States, the Germany, Japan, everybody. ASML is like an annuity. It it its revenue always goes up. Every one of the machines they sell is about seven hundred and fifty million dollars. You right. cannot be in the business of making chips without ASML, the right. lithography. Right. And that's the type of have to have no matter what's happening. But now that we have the federal U.S. federal government putting almost a billion dollars into the pockets of these guys, Germany the same way, U.K. the same way, France the same way. So semiconductor is now economic security, where before it was just, dude, 
I need more speed. I need more. I need more memory. You know. So let me give you one more. Now that we're bringing out some names, and yeah. so yeah. so I'm not only looking to buy all time highs. You know, the the whole idea is sometimes people will get frustrated. So you mentioned AI. Maybe we were on commercial before yeah. we talked. But you know, Palantir is a really, really interesting name yeah. that went down around eighty to ninety yeah. percent. Now the thing based now for a year and then kind of shot out of a cannon about two months ago. It pulled right back in, and so Palantir is is a company that reminds me again. You know, history doesn't repeat, but there was a time when Oracle was considered a fraud, and it went from twenty five, twenty eight to five. They said there was no product. There was no yeah. business. And at $5, all of a sudden, it became one of the best investments of all time. I saw so Larry Ellison get in a fight in San Francisco, basically <laughs> on that, that deal. And Larry Ellison is not a big man. And uh, this was at uh, Sam's in San Francisco. And he was there of a group. And I was there a group next to him. And some guy basically came up and said that. You know, there's no there, there, Oracle. What is it? A, what is this database, this relational database thing? How does that work? Come on, you're nothing but a fraud. <laughs> Boom. They said there was no cloud. So, so on that note, Todd, you talked you know, talk me into a couple of names. For my compliance yeah. team, I'm going to remind everybody these are not recommendations for everybody. You have to do your homework. Everyone's yes. got their own risk tolerance. I will say the names I mentioned were long, each one of them. Those are some of our bigger positions. You know, we're actually added to all three of those names I mentioned in the last okay. couple of weeks. Jordan, I, I tell you, Palantir was the most overvalued thing in the world, number one. Number two, all the business they do up to the last six months ago was you know, all stuff they couldn't talk about because it was for the CIA guys. In my network of people, which is now about 1,500 subject matter experts around the world, Palantir has come up, has come up twice. And we are about to add it in our AI side because they, their AI, people don't understand it all because nobody can see it. You know, it's, it's, it's hidden behind right. the curtain, right? But the other side of it is defense spending. So our thesis is another, you know, back in my change wave days, I said a change quake was a secular transformation, you know, S-curve transformation that we're now yep. going through this upslope and we're waiting the difference between me and Kathy Wood is Kathy Wood got the upslope, but she she didn't consider the downslope. So our whole idea at Transformity Investor uh, is, uh, which just sold 600, 1,600 new subscriptions, by the way, this last week. Is Congratulations. That, thank you. That, um, you know, you got to you got to really pull for a compliment around here um, that you that you <laughs> that the new S curves uh, that have happened because of post COVID. Because remember, there's the reverse S curve too. No one understood that. Geez, what if Zoom was selling at twenty-two dollars, and now everybody zooms, and it was selling at four hundred and twenty-five dollars? Nobody, everybody extrapolates. That's the failure in S curve investing. It's great to ride that wave up, but at some point in time, you start to saturate. You've sold everybody you can, exactly. but but the losers keep extrapolating the gross as if it's never going to go down. This is a Viagra channel uh, start, uh, <laughs> uh, chart, by the way. Okay, and so so I think it's super great point. And and on the Palantir, when it, I remember when it came out, and I thought it was overhyped. We don't buy IPOs anyway; we let yeah. them settle. Well, this thing settled down ninety percent. 
Yeah. And then it based. And it based for a while. And now, now it's on the S curve, it would be it's now what you call a, a 1B, 2A, yeah, and we it. expect to be there for a couple of years. Well, it's okay. funny you say, okay. say, say we say, you know, I I I flunked algebra, but I was great at, at calculus. And so the rate of change and the rate of change. So when you want to be fancy, you say, well, the second derivative, no, no, dude, it's just look at the, the when the demand is more than supply, the sales go up, the revenue goes up, the EPS, et cetera. And if you could, you know, make a new product there, then again, it continue to go up. But the United States spends uh, $782 billion a year on defense. On a relative basis, all the EU has spent about $200 billion a year. So now that they understand that, you know, Russia will in invade you, shockingly, yeah. now they're going to be up to about $780 billion. And that's going to Lockheed, that's going to Martin Marietta, which is now you know, part of Raytheon. It's those Stinger missiles, baby. The shoulder ones, the high ones, you know, that's that's the new warfare. And Keep our real safe, big, man. and Keep our HIMAR, safe. our HIMAR missiles. You will not want to F with somebody who's got an unlimited amount of HIMAR missiles because you're going to be, you know, eating dust. So another sectoral play that we've done very well in is in, you know, the NATO. Uh, 2.0, which is everybody okay. actually pays, pays into the freaking thing. And and Japan is now joining, because now we have the South Pacific. So now Korea and Japan have taken their defense spending up uh, because obviously China is is going to invade Taiwan and um, uh, that, we're not going to want to let that happen. So now, yeah. and those are, you know, Jordan, you know, those, these are like eight, nine, 10 PE stocks. They're, they're priced as if we were in the you know post cold war. Well, we're not in the post cold war anymore. We're in the in the hot war yeah. zone, and and so that is a secular transformation that we at transformation really solid ideas, and they have you know really good relative strength. And sometimes you don't have to be a genius, and you proved it. I did. You know? Yeah, it's right right under your nose or right yeah. under my big one. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are solid ideas, and for the audience, we will actually tweet out. The, the stocks that Jordan and Toby talked about. That if, you aren't, if you are not already following us, please do so at yeah. Buy, Hold, Sell TV on Twitter. And we yeah, will particularly get when we go when we go live on Apple Plus and on Roku, because then I'll be able to drop F-bombs and I can't get blocked out. You broke the news. Thursday, June 1st, 4 o'clock, we will be live Boom. on Apple TV and Roku. It will be Apple's first non-sports live show in their mm -hmm. history so i uh, look for a lot of media to you man that's big congratulations thank you yeah we're very uh, excited it would be nice if todd it. had something to do with it but oh, i'm kidding <laughs> todd has been awesome there you go todd has been awesome so we're, we're looking <laughs> well, forward to it and we're going to do well, one that, i guarantee you saturday morning at 10 o'clock on the, in the yep. east coast we're going to yep, do bulls right. and bears a retrospective of bulls and bears uh well uh, shake me out of bed i'll be ready to join you guys <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So listen, coming up tomorrow on Buy, Hold, Sell, we have Liz Ann Saunders is going to be joining us. She's the chief investment strategist at Charles Schwab. I'm sure you've seen her all over the financial press and heard her and read about her in the papers. Well, she's going to be with us as our featured guest tomorrow. So be sure to check that out. So awesome. listen, on behalf of Tobin Smith and Jordan Kimmel from Value Engine Capital Management Value Engine. and host and host the Magnet Minutes podcast. And you just simply Google it or go on YouTube. You will find it there. We want to thank everybody for joining us today on Buy, Hold, Sell. We'll catch you next time. Take care. Been fun. Thanks. Buy, Hold, Sell brought to you by Crosscheck Management.
Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.